Because writers remember everything, Paul. Especially the hurts. Strip a writer to the buff, point to the scars, and he'll tell you the story of each small one. From the big ones you get novels, not amnesia. A little talent is a nice thing to have if you want to be a writer, but the only real requirement is that ability to remember the story of every scar. Hey, gays and ghouls, I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about best-selling authors, parasocial relationships, and sledgehammers. Ah, yes, sledgehammers. And what happens when the three of those things meet? Yeah, yeah, it is a painful experience. A wild ride. I mean, it's painful for the eyes. I can only imagine for the body. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Fun fact, did you know in the book she actually cuts his foot clean off? I did know that, and I, I'm glad they went with the sledgehammer. I think the sle- like her using the sledgehammer is actually more effective. I agree. Like, I think her cutting his foot off, like, it it would have taken, like, it, like, yes, she would have been crazy, but it would have been, like, this made her seem more actually genuinely insane. I think it's just that for some reason, I can almost, like, I can't imagine at all what it feels like to get your foot cut off, Mm -hmm. but I can almost imagine how that feels. Yes. Right? Like, it's just more, Mm -hmm. I don't know, relatable or something. Yeah. But... Yeah, they made the decision. Actually, they they thought, like Reiner and Goldman thought, mm-hmm. that her cutting the foot off would actually be taking it too far. And it would just yeah. make her into this, like, clownishly evil character. Right. Whereas, like, she kind of, like, walks this line between, like, oh, she's crazy and evil. And they're like, oh, maybe she's just kind of sad and, like... Right. You know, like mentally ill and Mm -hmm. and sad. So, and the idea was that it's one thing to read in a book, but actually seeing somebody cut somebody else's foot off. Well, we've watched Audition. Right. (laughs) You kind of lose sympathy for the girl after that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie we were, of course, talking about today is going to be the (laughs) world-renowned 1990 film, Misery. Misery. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Released November 30th, 1990, starring the inimitable Kathy Bates. In her breakout role. In her breakout role that won her an Oscar. Mm-hmm. A well-deserved one. Mm-hmm. And that was the only Oscar this film won. Mm-hmm. And it was the only one it was nominated for. Yep. <laughs> In fairness, that was a weird year at the Oscars, but... That is fair. <laughs> Yeah, this went up against... I saw this went up against Home Alone. I completely forgot Home Alone actually came out in 1990. Yeah. Uh, Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Which won fucking nothing. Which is hilarious to me. Really? Yes. Wow. That's weird. You know who won Best Supporting Actress? Whoopi Goldberg, baby. 
for Ghost, which also came out that year. Oh my god. I knew it was going to be Ghost. I was yeah. like, what movie else? What other movie came out then? It was like, it was, it was not Sistract. That no, was no. early 90s. And she did not win an Oscar for that. No. She could have, though. Because, <laughs> damn, that movie's good. <laughs> I do love that movie. Both I love Ghost. Them. I love Ghost. Like, it's just... I love Opie Goldberg. It's just I mean, like who she was up against. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All like, right. Lorraine Bracco really didn't win the Oscar for Goodfellas. But... Like, get you it, Whoopi. Get it, Whoopi. You deserve it. Directed by Rob Reiner. And I think this might be the only horror movie that he ever directed. Interesting. Which like actually makes sense when you think about it. Because as, especially like as Stephen King stories go. Mm-hmm. This is probably the most realistic one. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are absolutely. no ghosts. There's no monsters. Yeah, there's no there's weird no clowns paranormal... from outer space. Yeah. There's nothing. It's just a crazy lady. Mm-hmm. And Colorado. <laughs> and Colorado. What we've learned is Stephen King is terrified of Colorado. Like, absolutely just... Will not go there again. <laughs> he said, if you learn anything from this, that's this is the takeaway from Misery. Yep. I'm not going to Colorado. He's not going. Never going again. Nope. Obviously based on the 1978... Nope, nope, not 70s. Nope. That didn't happen. Whoop. The 1987 <laughs> yeah. novel by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, adapted by William Goldman, mm-hmm. who actually wrote... Well, well, wrote many a screenplay. Right. But also my favorite book of all time, The Princess Bride. Hmm. And the screenplay for The Princess Bride. So good. And this one. See? So he had he had a range. He, he had a range. Has a range. Had? Is he still writing? He's dead. Okay, so no. Yeah. <laughs> he died three or four years ago, I think. Oh, okay. Um, not his only horror movie, because I believe he did The Step, Stepford Wives. And Marathon Man. The original like, Stepford Wives? Uh-huh. Okay. From the 70s. Because I'm like, I mean, I guess the remake is like horror adjacent, but it's more of a thriller <laughs> at most. Dark comedy, I'd say. Yeah, I think the, the remake is more of a dark comedy. Yeah. The original was more of like a... An actual horror movie. An actual horror movie. Right. And and Marathon Man is kind of like a, a thriller with like horror elements, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah. So quite star-studded. You know who else is in this? Lauren Bacall. She sure is. She has a little guest role, mm-hmm. living her best. She pops in. She's like, here I am. This is what she did in the 90s. She was just like, I'm just going to do have some nice supporting roles. Yeah. And be somebody's mom, be somebody's agent. Live. Living her best life. Living. Uh, despite the fact that this movie was nominated for no Oscars except for Kathy Bates, um, it was a commercial and critical success. Mm-hmm. As was the novel. Actually, people praised the novel because it was more realistic than a lot of his other stuff is. Yeah, which makes sense. Which makes sense. I mean, it's nice to show the, you know, the versatility Mm -hmm. of being able to write a horrifying human as opposed to a horrifying ghost. Um, Or something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah zombie cat or right. <laughs> arachnid from outer space that disguises itself as a clown 
telepathic teenagers. Anyway, um, <laughs> just gonna like slowly name every Stephen King book. But I will say this is the this is the other like extremely claustrophobic film that he's done. Yes, or book really, but right, like that that lends itself to, mm-hmm. but in a way that is the opposite of The Shining. Yes. Because The Shining is like you're claustrophobic in this huge space, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas this almost entirely takes place in a single room. Yep. A small bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why it's actually funny that it took us so long for it to be adapted into a stage play. Right. Because it works perfectly as a stage play. Mm -hmm. Because it's all in one goddamn room. Right. Like, you don't have to... um, You don't have to, like, move the sets at all. So Misery was budgeted for $20 million mm-hmm. and ended up doing $61.3 million in the box office, mm-hmm. which is definitely impressive considering how many hits there were in the theaters in this entire year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This, uh, this role was, sorry, the role of Paul Sheldon. Was offered to like 18 different people. Yes. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And if you look, they all turned it down mostly because they were all other movies that Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, William Hurt was one of them. Kevin Kline. Uh, Warren Beatty was the closest to actually taking the role. Right. Uh, But... And William Hurt turned it down twice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I would love to know. Like, that's just, you know, a like a sentence that I read. I would love to know the story of that. You're right. Like, how, like, they went through all those other people and they went back to William Hurt and they were like, please? And are he was sh- like, nope. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> um, but Warren Beatty couldn't do it because post-production on Dick Tracy ran long. Which also came out this year. Right. So... Yeah, it is. It is crazy when you think about it. Like, excuse me. You okay? Yeah, I just burped. Oh. <laughs> um. Well, and then it was, uh, and then Angelica Houston, and yes. uh, which also kind of ironically speaking of, uh, the Stepford Wives, only because of the remake, mm-hmm. Matt Midler. Oh yeah. Also turned down the role. Can you imagine? I no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, first of all, Kathy Bates was born for this role. Yes, and like this role was born for Kathy Bates. Like, there's, it's one of those where it's like I literally cannot picture anyone else doing it. I, but especially not Bette fucking Midler. <laughs> I, you know what though? Out of the two between Bette Midler and Angelica Houston, I feel like I could see Bette Midler doing it. I agree. Cause like. I don't know. I feel like maybe Angelica Houston might be a little. Well, better. I mean, Angelica Houston is is you know one of the finest actresses that we have, mm-hmm. but she might be like too elegant. That was my only for that, this, right? That was like, why I was like maybe Bette Midler. Even right. though I mean Bette Midler can be elegant too, but like right, but she she would be better at like Annie's kind of goofy. Yes, like she's not. You know, she's kind of like frumpy and sheltered and it and a serial killer yeah also and also like just some of the phrasing that she uses throughout the film is is funny 
Right, yeah, like, you couldn't imagine, like, Angelica Houston delivering he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. No. With any kind of, you know, a blonde. She's just too that's, stately. That's why I could see Bette Midler doing it, because... But Bette Midler, yes. I do agree that of the two, Bette Midler probably would have been a better choice. Yeah. But I don't think that there is a better choice than the choice they made. No, absolutely not. Uh, also, I believe, I don't know how he knew her, but I think William Goldman was like, hey, we should put her in there. And well, well done. Well Thank done, God you did. And Be- she was. She was a virtual unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm like, out, out of this movie, we got Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Then she went on to play another crazy, much less crazy, in fairness, much more understandable female murderer from a Stephen King story in Dolores Claiborne. Have you ever, ever seen that movie? Still haven't seen it. That might have been like a made-for-TV HBO deal. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I I know I've heard of it. I've I've seen the cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was brief, yeah. I was briefly obsessed with it. Oh, at really? Some point when it came out, yeah. I mean, I was that weird kid, right? Like there was always you know, like, like it wasn't just the like goofy slashers that I was obsessed with as a child. I would go through these like there would be like these dramas that I would get like, you know, because Dolores Claiborne is really more of a drama than right. Like, yes, she does murder people, but, like, the it's movie really more of a drama yeah. than, like, horror. Anyway, yes. <laughs> but you're right. Like, that's, that's something you got, you got Dolores Claiborne um, mm-hmm. via Kathy Bates. Well, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Got Kathy Bates as Dolores Claiborne. Yes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I love is that, like, Kathy Bates has her eyes. Like, there's something about her eyes that are both menacing and innocent. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I think you were talking about her eyes, which is what was distracting me. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, there's something about Kathy Bates' eyes that are both, like... She's got serial killer looks in her eyes for sure, but then she also has an innocence to them. Mm-hmm. Well, her entire demeanor, like, especially the way they have her styled, obviously, in this right. particular film, but even in general, like, she looks like your aunt. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she yeah. looks like, I mean, not your specific aunt, but she looks like an aunt, right? Like. No, but I will say my mom kind of looked like her in the 90s. A little bit. Mm. Mostly the hairstyle. Yeah. The hairstyle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my mom's hair is too curly for that. Yeah. But. But then also, of course, like, we cannot forget James Conn. James Conn gave a great performance. Yes. In this film. I mean, James Conn was great. But, like, the... The slow burn realization. Like, he's never comfortable with the situation. No. Because, how could you be? He's well, in, like, well, right. an insane amount of pain. Right. He doesn't really know where he is. He's under the complete and total, like, at at the complete mercy of this mm-hmm. woman who he doesn't know. Right? Who at first seems very nice. But mm-hmm. just, like, the slow burn realization of how completely insane she is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he had to do most of it from lying on his back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. So, I know this, you probably didn't have the same experience as me. Because... I 
unfortunately was not able to watch horror movies as a child. Mm. Um, however, this is one of those movies that like I distinctly remember. I knew I heard about it before mm-hmm. and like was aware of the fact that this movie was in existence. Mm-hmm. But the first time that I actually was like, I need to go and sit down and watch this movie is when I saw it on 100 Scariest mm-hmm. Movie Moments. <laughs> a thousand percent. I don't think that I had watched this one before then. No? Which is hilarious because I was obsessed with Dolores Claiborne. So you think that I would have been like, oh, look, another Stephen King movie with the same actress in it. And I would have just been like, ding. But, you know, you can only. You can only watch so many movies. This is before the internet. People. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> of any. You didn't know. But yes, I, I believe also that my. <laughs> that my first exposure. To this film directly to this film mm-hmm. was the inclusion of the infamous ankle breaking with a sledgehammer scene yes in 100 scariest movie moments and i remember distinctly them describing how they did it mm-hmm. they had like a like a latex foot form that was full of like um animal bones and jello yep Yep. And so you put it against the thing and she hit it and it just goes like, Wing! and <laughs> you're like, oh, God. Um, yeah, it's both. Bad news bears. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not pretty. Not pretty. But we will get to that scene and all the others of Annie Wilkes being crazy. But first, it is Shark Tale Hour. Tonight's Shark Tale is called The Norval. Mm. And it is a wintry spin on the classic tiki drink, the painkiller. <laughs> you are going to take two ounces of a dark spiced rum, like the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Uh, half an ounce of an orange liqueur. I'm going to say control, probably. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but use whatever you like. A quarter cup of... Pineapple juice, a little bit of vanilla extract, just a splash, a teaspoon of honey, a little bit of ground cinnamon, and then two ounces of coconut milk. And then you're going to heat that up and it will take away all of your pain. Mm. In the most delicious way. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Misery is the story of a self loathing genre writer mm-hmm. because Stephen King just can't help himself. He really can't. <laughs> In Stephen King stories, you're either a writer or a child or something supernatural. Or a writing a, child. Or a child that wants to be a writer <laughs> when they grow up. <laughs> At least if you're the protagonist. Yes. You're a writer. The writer in this particular one is named Paul Sheldon, and he is self-loathing because, uh, aren't all of us writers? Anyway, no. Um, (laughs) Can you write if you're not? No, kidding. Um, (laughs) He wants to be a serious novelist, Mm -hmm. and he writes really what are trashy romance novels. And I think my favorite part about this entire thing is that Annie acts as if they are the best books ever written. Right. Yes. Like, 
my favorite book is Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best book ever written. It's just the one I like the best, right. personally, right? Yeah. But I'm not obsessed with it, right? So, like, you have this... There are other there are other books that inspire that are, you know, at their core just trashy romance novels. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> and inspire that level of, like, this is the greatest thing ever written. And I, Twilight. Right. And, but this was, like, that's exactly what I was thinking of. But this is, like... <laughs> Well, that and Fifty Shades of Grey. Although yes. I don't think that anyone ever claimed that Fifty Shades of Grey was the best books ever written. No, no, no. But, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was based on Twilight. It was. It was, it was fan fiction. Fan fiction, so. So see, Annie could have just written her own misery books. Yes. And released them. And gotten rich. Like that chick who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, whose name escaped me at the moment. I never learned. Nope. Never read them. You know what? I'm not going to look it up. So... My only critique is, why, why is her name Misery? Why is her name Misery? That's an excellent question. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, I don't. You're you have a romance novel, but your your main protagonist's name Misery. Well, I'm wondering actually, because they are like set back in the day, like so maybe it was like frontier times or like the Victorian era or something. So maybe that used to be a name that was relatively common. Yeah. I okay. I mean fair enough. I can tell you from Stephen King's point of view mm-hmm. why her name is Misery. Right. Well. And that is because this whole thing is an allegory for drug addiction. Right. Because he can't help himself. But <laughs> <laughs> you know the other thing that's in all of his books? No. Um <laughs> it is very true. No, he's, he, he said that Annie Wilkes herself was representative, in his mind, was not, less a real person and more represent, representative of cocaine, which was the particular substance that he was struggling with at the time that he wrote this. Mm-hmm. So, like, when he wrote The Shining, he was in his drink, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was his alcoholic face. Right. <laughs> this was his I'm on cocaine face. Yeah. As it was in the early, or the late 80s and early 90s. For everybody. And, I mean, really, yeah. the whole world was in their cocaine phase. At the yeah. Time. yeah. Well, not me. I was an infant, but. <laughs> I was in my cocaine phase. <laughs> you were... In the womb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My mother did not do cocaine. <laughs> I'm just going to make that clear right now. <laughs> that twinkle in my parents' eye was from the dope. <laughs> it's snowing in this in this womb (laughs) (laughs) that's the allegory of the snowstorm oh my god we're figuring this out here it by bit (laughs) he's afraid of snowstorms because it looks like cocaine and he's afraid of colorado for reasons i'll never understand so and that is why (laughs) i guess the shining is more insane because he was doing both (laughs) yeah that's true just saying he was saying let's mix the two so Paul doesn't want to write misery books anymore. Right. So he writes one in which she dies in childbirth at the end. Mm-hmm. And then. So then we uh, we see Paul and he's, the beginning of the movie is he's sitting at his desk. He had just finished writing his latest book. He has a bottle of Don Perignon chilling in ice. Because he's rich. I was like, damn, Don, really? Misery pays well. Okay. Um, 
and he's getting it from the hotel so you know that he's even paying more for that, that is bottle. true yeah and it's like a small mountain lodge so like they probably have to order it specifically for him yep <laughs> yep but obviously he's he is well off because he's writing these novels that are you know clearly popular at least they're even though extremely he, popular yes. he hates them he hates them but that's but but he's really the, the only one that hates them <laughs> right um but now that he has his sort of like financial stability and he doesn't want to do it anymore he has killed her off the book he's writing when we meet him mm-hmm. is a serious novel right about something i don't know we never really find out yeah no we just know there's less swearing in it yeah there's swearing and that's not fun and he doesn't like it and he doesn't like it but he has his bottle of don and his glass and his one cigarette his one cigarette yes he's very ritualistic yes as authors tend to be right so he has his little ritual once he's done with his book this is his treat he gets a bottle of don he gets a cigarette his one cigarette because he doesn't smoke anymore Mm -hmm. you later learn um and in his mind, he has officially finished the Misery series. Right. Yes, he has. Because <laughs> the the last of the Misery books is going to print. Mm-hmm. It's about to be released. And he has this other one that's going to start the next phase of his career mm-hmm. in the can, ready right. to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, think of this as all of those, like, comedy guys from the 90s, like Adam Sandler and robin williams mm-hmm. right where at some point they have their like breakout dramatic role that they get nominated for an oscar for yep. that's what he's gunning for that's what yeah. he wants absolutely this is going to be his mm-hmm. what dreams may come i don't know what, what was the first movie that no mind. patch adams what was the first movie that was nominated for an oscar for honestly i don't remember that it the it allegory was... the allegory was working until i forgot was adam sandler nominated for an oscar for punch truck love though because that was his first serious role. No idea. I think he was for the... Uncut Gems? Yeah. I was going to say the Diamond movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Diamond movie. I mean, diamonds can be Uncut Gems. I mean, it was about... That's what it was, it was yeah. about. Uncut yeah. Gems. Yeah. I was literally talking about that earlier, by the way. <laughs> Just a fun fact. Great. Thanks. Right. Uh, but then he goes for... Uh... Well, he doesn't go for a drive, really. He's... Driving back to New York. Right. So his ritual is that he lives in New York. He drives from New York to this same hotel in Colorado Mm -hmm. that he has written every single one of his novels in. Right. He writes his... He writes his book. So he does what Jack Nicholson does, except he does it successfully. (laughs) It's true. He is just the... He's like, if if Jack Torrance had become a successful writer... Yeah. This is would be he still would have ended up in a world of pain, but so now he's going to go back home. He unfortunately doesn't know there's a blizzard coming, <laughs> but he's fine with driving in it. He finds out right quick. Yeah, as he is driving down the winding road in a '65 Mustang, which is probably the worst possible car to be driving in the snow in. And uh, immediately drives it off cliff. Yep. Oh, and he's got he's got the book with him, and this is important. He's very superstitious. That he does not make any copies of his books, right? Until they are ready to go to print. Mm-hmm. 
Now, again, this is pre-computers, right? He's writing it on a typewriter. So there's no like, you know, file saved or anything, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like the one copy of this book that is going to free him from the literal and figurative misery of his life mm -hmm. as a romance novel writer. <laughs> Can yeah. I tell you, there's one person who you do not picture when you picture a romance novel writer, it's James Cobb. But... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm like, okay, this man knows romance, I guess. I guess. Live. So the next thing you know, he wakes up in a bed and... Her name just blew right out of my mind. The character's name or the Uh-huh. Annie Wilkes. Thank you. And Annie Wilkes is standing by his bed. Yes. You were introduced to Annie Wilkes when she is when she bodily carries the man mm -hmm. through the snow. Yeah. Up a cliff. I guess, I guess it's more of a hill. You can't really you can't go up a cliff. But you know, like But still. Up a hill in the snow. Mm-hmm. With James Caan on her back. I mean, I could see it. I mean, she, you know, nurses are very strong. Yeah. You have to, you have to learn how to lift people. And love makes you do crazy things. That is true. You got that like adrenaline going. Mm-hmm. Now, question. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if this is ever, the car crash was organic, right? Yes. Okay. There's always like some little part of me that I'm like, did she make that car crash? And then like you never, but you think they would have revealed that at some point. And I don't think they yeah. ever do. No, they never end up revealing anything it's like that. Like, it, it was just stupid to go driving down a mountain in the snow in a Mustang. But he just, it is ironic. The the thing is that they do reveal later is that she was following him. Right, she was stalking him. Yeah, and probably did every time he came to town. Absolutely. Right, because she was like, of course I know that you write your books here. Right. So, yeah. So, the only reason that she saved his life at all was because she was stalking him. Mm -hmm. um, but she explains that she is a nurse and that she has his number one fan. That's what she keeps saying. She says, I'm your number one fan. Mm -hmm. And that she has read every novel he's ever written. And, like... You have to assume that he's written other novels besides the Misery series, but she only focuses on the Misery series. So, like, you have to wonder if she's actually read, read every book he's ever written or just every book in that series. Or has he only written Misery books? Or has he only, or has he only published Misery or books? published, yeah. Right. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing that I guess we don't know. But she says, The roads are snowed in. There was a huge blizzard. The phone lines are down. I managed to... Treat and dress your wounds, which she did. Yeah, she I absolutely mean, did. She's a good nurse when she's not trying to kill you. Right. Because she did, like, save his legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't die of sepsis. <laughs> or just of, like, you know. I mean, it is a little bit of, like, movie, you know, that he had, like, a crash that severe and was, like, basically fine afterwards. Yeah. But... <laughs> It was like, just his legs were fucked up. Everything his legs else... were fucked up. He had a dislocated shoulder, but there was no like brain bleed nope. <laughs> or anything. Because <laughs> he was upside down in the car. But, um, but she, she seems sweet as pie. Mm -hmm. She's like, I can't believe that you, you know, I can't believe that I stumbled upon you. I'm so glad I found you. You would have died. In fact, you almost died. She like gives him CPR. And... You know, I managed to 
splint your legs <laughs> and relocate your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And now here you are. Here, take these pills. So a big through line of this, of course, and I think in the book it's a little more explicit than it is in the movie. He not only, you know, needs those pills for his pain, but he becomes very quickly addicted to them. Mm-hmm. I think that that is evident when, like, in the scene where he gets really, really sweaty and he's like, I need my pills now. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's like, he's stolen some because he's planning on drugging her. Right. But, like, she's also keeping him drugged to, like, just keep him docile. Right. But he is, he is squirreling away the pills that she's giving him, too. Right. So he's not taking... He's, I think he's still taking He's not taking, taking them all. Right. Yeah. He's not taking them all. Because he wants, at some point, he realizes that he needs to stay sharp because this woman isn't altogether stable. Right. Like, there's a long way between, like, sweet as pie and going to smash your foot with a sledgehammer and kill you. But he starts to realize, he starts to realize relatively quickly that she's an odd duck, shall Mm -hmm. we say, right? First of all, he's well aware of what his books are. Oh, absolutely. And she speaks about them as if they're masterpieces, Mm -hmm. right? To an absurd degree. Like, oh, you're a poet. Mm -hmm. You know, she compares it to the Sistine Chapel. It's... It's not just perfect, it's divine. Like, it's just, he recognizes that, like, these are not the opinions that, even the people who really like his books, these are not the opinions that normal people are going to have about his books. Right. At some point, my personal favorite part of the movie, she has a pet pig, (laughs) whose name is Misery, (laughs) and it is the cutest little guy. Mm -hmm. He just comes in. But James Caan is quite disconcerted. He's like by the presence of the pig, named misery. As I named after my character, as like you would probably also be like as cute as it is on the screen. If I was like lying in bed, immobilized by like leg splints, and a pig came bounding into the door, yeah, I'd be like, huh? I'd probably be a little bit surprised and alarmed. Um, Just a little bit, a smidge, scotch. But what he starts to realize is that Annie has a temper, right? She sure does. So, and the first time he really realizes that is when he allows her to read his new book because he's so grateful. I mean, at this point, he's so grateful. Like, Mm -hmm. he still believes her when she says that they're snowed in, Mm -hmm. right? He's still so grateful. She's like, he obviously trusts her because he lets her shave him and there's not... With a straight razor, Right, too. there's not much more that, like, says, I trust you, than, here, take a straight razor to my throat. Uh-huh. And get me clean-shaven, because right. I obviously need to be clean-shaven lying here in this bed. Right. <laughs> but... But, yes, there was, before um, she reads, she starts reading his novel, like, she had she had gone into, the t- into town, she had sp- said that she spoke with a doctor, with a surgeon... I believe no, that was after she read the manuscript before she read the published book. That's right. Yeah. Never mind. So when she asks to read the manuscript, he still believes they are 100% snowed in. And she has not yes. done anything to make him question that at that point. Right. Because she hasn't left. Mm-hmm. 
And it's only been a few days at that point. And she's like, so she's like, I noticed that you have a manuscript with you. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like so cool if I could read it. And he's like, well, you know, there's only certain people that I let read my manuscripts and my editor and like people who saved my life or something like that. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so she's like, oh, my God, I get to read it. And she takes it away. But it's not her book. Right? It's not the books that she likes. It's mm-hmm. very specifically not that thing because he's trying not to write that thing anymore. Right. Right. So she gets angry at him that he's writing something different and in a different way. And it is one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie mm-hmm. because she starts talking about how she's bothered by all of the profanity right. in it. Right. And then she starts imitating what it would be like if she spoke like that, but she can't bring herself to actually say the swear words. So right. she's just like saying nonsense. But she gets so agitated that she starts to spill soup on him. Yes. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I get so riled up about these silly little things. Right. And. But not before she blames him for spilling the soup. Oh yeah. She's like, look, look what, what you, you made, made me, me do. do. Which of course is the classic like abuser. Right. Move. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hadn't made me so angry, I wouldn't have done the absolutely, like, you know, insane thing that I just did. Right. But that's when he starts to realize that, like, maybe he shouldn't piss her off. Because he still can't move. hmm Right? And he starts to get more and more kind of, like, concerned. Right? I do believe that it's after that incident that the pig runs in. Yes. And he learns that. Mm-hmm. She is, in fact, obsessed with him. She named a pig after his character. Yep. Um, yes, and then it is th- at that point... Oh, in the meantime, Lauren Bacall... Yes. ...is now fabulous and worried. Yeah, well, of course. Because Paul Sheldon, who is her friend as well as her client, mm-hmm. right? Like, has, like, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And she, like, was like, oh, it's weird. I haven't heard from him. So she calls the sort of, like, you know, Mountain Lodge where he writes all of his books. And they're like, oh, no, he's gone. He's been gone since Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So she calls the uh, police department in this small Colorado town, mm-hmm. which is one dude. Yep. Played by Richard Farnsworth. Mm-hmm. And he's very much, like, small town rural sheriff. Oh, yeah. Right. Calls himself Buster. Mustache and all. Mustache and all. Mustache, cowboy hat, the like sheepskin jacket. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you're pict- picturing. Played by Richard Farnsworth. His deputy is his wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's how small the department is that like he doesn't really have a deputy, but when he does, it's his wife. Yep. So they go off and they look and because he gets immediately worried because he's like, oh man, that was the day of that big snowstorm. Right. Fuck. So like he's not thinking foul play at this point. But he is thinking car crash. Yeah. Right. So he's got half the equation right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go looking for him. And they can't find him. But they do kind of find evidence of a car crash. Right. There's like some mm-hmm. trees that are broken. And he's like, well, that could have been a storm. But it also could have been a car. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call in for some backup. So like he calls sort of the police in the bigger city to let them know. He calls the FBI. He's like, we've got a missing person here. Mm-hmm. So now Annie does have to be a little bit more careful because people are looking for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she definitely knows because she drives by the sheriff while he is at the site where his car crashed. Right, I mean... She's not stupid. She's not stupid. No. She's the opposite of stupid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You know what else she does? And I don't know exactly when. I don't know exactly when she says this, but she does like low-key mention not being able to remember things in, on the stand in Denver. And he's like, Ooh. but she just like blows. It's just such a brilliant little piece of writing because she just blows right past that. Like she just says it mm-hmm. nonchalantly. Like, oh, that's why I couldn't remember things on the stand in Des- And, you know, I get kind of mixed up sometimes. That's why I couldn't remember things on the stand in Denver. And he's like, what? But she just like carries on the conversation. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, but she has, she has driven to town and this is when it starts to break down mm-hmm. for her. Right. Like she's still kind of holding it together. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't think that he would have believed her if he wasn't drugged, mm-hmm. but he's, she's like, look, I, I, I went into town and I got the new misery book. I got the first copy that they had. They were unpacking them when I got there. And he's like, so the roads are open. And she's like, well, the one in town is, but the one at the hospital isn't. Right. And now, mind you, it is up in the mountains. So that is possible that, like, they're just clearing one road at a time. Right. Because they're, it's just hard to clear. But and she was like, but don't worry about it because I called the doctor at the hospital and he says as long as there's no infection that you'll be fine. Which is ridiculous. That's not something. Right. Like, an orthopedic surgeon is not going to be like, well, describe it for me. <laughs> right. Like, Sounds great. Like, he's fine. Like, no. <laughs> but... So, like, the, the lies are starting to break down. Because mm-hmm. then he's like, so the phones are working. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, mine is still out. Because they're out in the boonies, right? right? But she's like, don't worry. I called your agent. She's going to call your daughter. Everything's fine. Like, mm-hmm. hopefully the phones will be up again tomorrow. And then you can call your daughter yourself. Don't right. worry about it. I'm going to go read this. Off she goes. So, for the next, like, day or so. Because she reads it pretty fast, of course. Because mm-hmm. it's her favorite book. Uh, she just, like, comes back in. Sort of waxes poetic at the, about the book. This might actually be the part where we meet the pig. And then she goes back out. She's like, oh, I have to keep reading it. And she goes back out. Mm-hmm. And she starts to talk about, like, marriage in a weird way. Yeah. Right? She tells him that she loves him at some point. Actually, that's during the soup incident. She says, I love you. Yes. And then she's like, I mean, like, as a writer. Like, right. I love your work. And he's like, okay, thanks. Yeah, and she says that she'd talk about... She'd consider marriage. She's like... If it was the right guy. And she's like holding his pee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she also has like a surprising... Like... I know a couple of nurses, and I feel like they don't keep like an entire setup. Like a whole like nurse's station. Unless she was like... Unless she was a home nurse at one point. Then I could see you just having that stuff. Which I could see that maybe being the case. Right. Especially Um, like in rural Colorado. Right. When you're trying to not be convicted of murder for all the people you killed. Yeah. Well. Oh, so she stays up until the middle of the night reading the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you remember, this is the book that he kills Misery at the end. Yes. She dies in childbirth. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a very realistic ending. For a story set on the frontier or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, Annie is mad. Yeah, she is. Mind you, that sends... And I was talking about Sean with this. Nope, I was talking about this with Sean. (laughs) Jesus. We were talking about this. That is not what pushes her over the edge. That's what makes her angry. Yes. And makes her violent. Mm -hmm. She was already very much over the edge. Oh, yeah. She's been over the edge. Because what she says next is, 
I was lying about, which like, if you're at all paying attention, you figure this out by now. Oh, That absolutely. she's just intending on keeping him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, I, I haven't, the roads are open. The phones are working. <laughs> I just, I haven't called anybody for you. Yeah. They think, they think you're missing. Yep. And I hope you're never planning on leaving because you're not. Because you're not. You're just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And you better... And the other thing is, like, you better hope that nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. Mm-hmm. Because no one knows you're here. <laughs> and then she drives away. He, under great pains, like, literally, mm-hmm. tries to get himself to the door once she's out of the house. Yeah. Um, but, of course, the door's locked. Mm-hmm. Because, again, she's not done. Right. And and that was, I didn't know that that was even a thing, is that you can have, I mean, I guess I knew it was a thing, but I would never have seen it on a house, that you have a key to lock on both sides. Yeah. I'm like, usually it's just one of the, like, it's usually like a deadbolt. The deadbolt mm-hmm. is just a little thing on the inside, and then you got the key on the outside. That is what I normally see in a door, in any house. I think it's like an old house thing, because like, you know, if you ever read like a... Like an old mystery novel, like Agatha Christie, old, well, right? It was like somebody's like either listening through or peeking through the keyhole. See, the keyhole. So it goes through. That I mean, I guess it's true. Okay, to be fair, you are right. But but it's not something in like our sort of modern experience. Well, that, that was a straight up deadbolt. Right. Like, I figured they like... Because I'm like, it's still like a locked on both sides, but at least there's one side of the door that you can just switch it and unlock it. Mm-hmm. Which I know with, even with the keyhole doors, some of those, they even had like a little switch mm-hmm. on the inside of the door where you can just un- unlatch the door and yeah. unlock it. I mean, it's possible that she like made sure that her doors were the type that you could lock somebody in. That's what I think is exactly what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So she eventually comes home. She finds him on the floor. And she's like, you silly goose. Because <laughs> right? like she, of course, goes in these fits of rage. And then she comes back and she's like all sweetie pie again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, you silly goose. How'd you get on the floor? Right. What'd you do? Like, you got upset. You fell out of bed. Mm-hmm. Puts him back in the bed. Tucks him back in. And says, I know why all of this happened now. God sent me to you so I could show you the way. Mm-hmm. the way into not killing off a fictional character right. in his own goddamn novels. But uh-huh. that was the way that she was supposed to show him out of. And she brings in her charcoal grill. <laughs> now, if there's anything before the sledgehammer that confirms how completely insane this woman is, it's bringing a charcoal grill into a small bedroom. Yep. Soaking a probably 300 page manuscript in lighter fluid and ordering him to set it aflame mm-hmm. right next to the drapes even right next to the drapes and the bed and the well she's also like <laughs> i think the reason he does it first he's like trying to call her bluff he's like my agent has copies and she's like i know you don't make copies because mm-hmm. i know everything about you because i'm obsessed right. right she doesn't say that but that's why she knows everything yeah. about him. but the reason he finally does it is because she's sort of like lecturing him and while she's lecturing him she's very carelessly in actually a very similar way that she's shaking the like bedpan thing yeah or, like the, the bottle mm-hmm. the like 
pee bottle. And it's the very same way that she's like just sort of absentmindedly shaking that thing full of liquid, even though that has a lid on it. She's just kind of like absentmindedly, absentmindedly like spreading this lighter fluid all over his bed. Yep. Probably not absentmindedly. It's probably a threat, right? Like she's probably doing it on purpose. Yeah. But like she's she's pulling it off of just like, I'm just kind of doing this, right? And so now you're covered in lighter fluid. And there are matches right there. So I could very easily just set you on fire. Mm -hmm. So he's like, fine. And he lights it on fire. And the fire is giant, of course. Of course. And it almost burns down the room. She has to like go and get a bucket of water. And then she's like, gee whiz. She's just like (laughs) saying all of these. She's like, oh, heavens to Betsy. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. Like she just, she's not even swearing in this situation. Uh. And so now, you know, she has destroyed what she sees as the evil book that he's writing. Mm-hmm. So that's like phase one. <laughs> then there's phase two. And phase two is she brings him a typewriter uh, that is broken. The ends don't work. <laughs> Can you imagine how annoying that would be? That would... I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess as long as you're typing and as long as there's... Like, you might be able to tell... I guess if you're reading it, you'll kind of know that there's likely an end supposed to be there instead of a blank spot. Yeah. But, right. I mean, as long as... But yeah. reading it, you're like... Dang. Yeah, because if, if if the key works... Like, I think it would have to be that the key works, but, like, the little, like, arm thingy that actually puts the letter on the paper doesn't work. Right. Because if the key works, then the paper will move. Mm-hmm. right because like that's how that so like yeah, yeah there are just spaces because mm-hmm. one of the things that she does is she's like proofreading for him and she's like filling in the ends where they're missing for him with like a pencil Um, but she's like here's what we're going to do we're going to write a book mm-hmm. in which you bring liberty liberty who's liberty <laughs> misery liberty liberty is misery Okay, I'm on board. I'm Orwellian. Um, (laughs) In which you bring misery back to life. And they're sort of brainstorming ideas back and forth. And she's like, well, she was in the fucking ground. Yeah. So start there. Yep. So he starts writing a book in which this young woman was buried alive. (laughs) Because she was just comatose. (laughs) I mean... All right. And he, she keeps him there for months. Yeah. Like, it takes him weeks to get mm-hmm. healed to the point that he is mm-hmm. when she starts making him write the book. Right. Because at this point, he can, like, he can sit up. She puts him in a wheelchair and wheels him mm-hmm. around, you know, so he can move a little bit. And every so often, she'll leave the house, and he starts venturing out of the bedroom. Because mm-hmm. he finds the key. Right. The other side to, of the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he doesn't find a key. I'm sorry. Er, he finds a bobby pin. Bobby pin. Yeah. He finds a bobby pin and is able to pick the lock. Yep. From his side of the door. So he's able to get out and move around. And he starts stealing and stockpiling the pills. And then quickly getting back to his room when she comes back. Right. Right. To try to keep her. And he starts not taking... I mean, he has at this point already like not been taking every single pill that she gives him. Right. Because he's like, okay, I need to be more lucid than mm-hmm. I have been because this woman is fucking nuts. So, he's writing a book. Her, like, 
idolization of him is starting to turn into a romantic obsession if it wasn't already yes it's becoming even more so like at one point she she walks in and it's like raining outside and she's like all disheveled and she's still in her pajamas even though it's like you know six o'clock at night and he's like hey what's wrong and she's like oh i have the blues it's the rain and she's like i'm in love with you and i know you don't love me so don't even say it and he's like Again, just great, like, facial expression work from James Caan throughout this entire film. Oh, Because it's just, like, he's trying to, like, keep smiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh... And then she pulls out a gun. And she starts, like, clicking the trigger, but it's not loaded. And she's like, I don't know, I might put bullets in it. And then she walks out. She's like, oh, the book's almost done. Your Your legs are getting better, like... You're not going to want to stay here. And he's like, oh, of course I will. I like it here. Mm -hmm. And again, just like randomly drives off. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's stockpiling the pills. He's like breaking them open. Uh, Did they have dinner before that part? Or was that after? Mm, Before the part where with the rain? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Because I know that's when he gave, tried giving her the pills. Right. It's kind of like montage Yeah. So it's hard to... I think you're right. I think the dinner is first. So... She starts trying to, like, woo him. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... And, and he's trying to woo her, too. Right. He's playing along. Yeah. Because, of course he is. Well, yeah. Cause... Like, what else are you going to do? Right. She's clearly violent. And... So he's got like a, he's got a little stockpile of the, what he's doing is actually pretty genius. He's like pouring the powder out into like a little container to keep and then still taking the capsule. Yep. So like she sees the capsules disappearing. Right. And she sees him take the actual capsule, Mm -hmm. but he has like taken the medicine out of the capsule. Yep. And she cooks him this romantic dinner and she's all dolled up. Right. And it's like clearly supposed to be a date and he tries to drug her wine. And she either knows that and, like, I think one of my favorite parts of Annie Wilkes as a character is you just don't know how dumb she is. Yeah. Because does she spill her wine on accident or does she know that he's been doing that? I I think that she knows because she later knows about the hiding spot. Right. So I can see her already knowing that's exactly what he was doing. Well, and it's not too long after that that she's like, I know that you wander around the house when I'm gone. Right. Like, I left out my scrapbook mm-hmm. for you to find. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so she she's not ignorant of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. She just knows that she has him. Right. Like, so helpless mm-hmm. that, like, even if he got out of the house, what was he going to do? I mean, right. Where's cause... he going to go? He's He can't walk, and it's, like, they're in the mountains. Like, he can't drive. Even He couldn't steal her car, you know? Right. Like, um, even in the book, after he kills her at the end, he, he doesn't leave the house because he still can't. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so he just has to wait until more cops come to look for the missing sheriff. Like, he's just like, cool. I guess that's fine. Sorry. I'm just going to sit here with his dead body. Wait. But, yes. So he attempts to poison her. It does not work. Mm-hmm. He's feeling quite dejected about that. And, yes. And then we go into the montage of him mm-hmm. writing the rest of the book. Right. Right. So he's writing another misery story just for her. She's helping him, like, edit it. She's adding all of these, like, crazy headcanons that she has, which yeah. is hilarious. Like, she's like, oh, Misery must be this character's, you know, descendant. And, like, I always knew that she must be of noble blood, and this is where we can, like, confirm it. And he's like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And he's just, like, putting it in, like, anything she wants. Basically mm-hmm. just trying to keep her placated. Right. And at the same time, in this montage, which is very funny because it's very like, you picture it being like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> But also very smart because like those old royal typewriters are heavy. Yes, they are. And so, and he's been laying in a bed for months. So he's like, mm-hmm. I need to get my strength up. So he starts using the typewriter as like a dumbbell mm-hmm. where he's just like lifting it, you know, lifting it. One day when she's gone, he... Steals a knife from the kitchen and hides mm-hmm. it. So he is preparing himself to fight his way out. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, doesn't work. But no. it's a valiant try. Well, and meanwhile, while this is all happening, the... Sheriff? Was it the sheriff? Well, was it the, the state? Sheriff. Was it the state police that came that were utilizing the helicopter with him? Oh yeah, that's actually relatively early on. That's mm-hmm. right after she makes him burn the book. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he has contacted both the state police and the FBI. Yes. Because like this is way it's... outside of what he normally has to deal with, right. right? And he doesn't have a helicopter, so they're searching. But at this point, it's still like a search and rescue. Mm-hmm. Like they're just looking for the car. Right. Because he's just presumed dead at this point well yeah because he's like if he's if he's out in this car he's frozen to death absolutely right he's a palsicle <laughs> like it's not <laughs> he's a palsicle not a good day <laughs> uh, so yes so and they do end up finding the car they do have end up finding the car mm-hmm and it's only because his body's not in it mm-hmm. that they are even like, well, maybe he is still alive somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, I mean, maybe a bear dragged his corpse off, which is also possible. But mm-hmm. like, we can't rule out that he's still alive mm-hmm. and we have to keep looking for him because his body's not with this car. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they don't immediately suspect Annie is because she doesn't have his car right. and they're looking for the car. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, there's no way for them to see Right. That she has him at Um, all. Well, and the main reason that they're like, okay, I think someone else has him is because there were clearly, there was clearly a tool used to pry the door open. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Which, which we see, right. She, she pries open the door with a crowbar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's true. I guess a bear wouldn't do that. But (laughs) very smart bear. It was Yogi. Um... (laughs) Smarter than the average bear. A boo boo. (laughs) (laughs) But so his plan ends up backfiring to a certain degree. Like, his poisoning her plan 
backfires because she spills her drink. Yep. She finds the knife that he's planning to stab her with, mm-hmm. which is like his backup plan. Uh, and that is when we get the hobbling scene. Oh. Oh, the hobbling scene. Where she talks about uh, a famous diamond mine and the Native Americans that were forced to work in it. Mm-hmm. And this is probably a true story. Probably. Actually, and if, yeah. it's not a, if it's not exactly true, there are many stories like it. Mm-hmm. Not only with the indigenous people of the Americas, but also in places like Africa, where... If you did not collect enough rubber for King Leopold II in the Congo, for example, they started cutting off your hands. Yep. So, but she's taking this utter, you know, utter act of of barbaric violence as, you know, uh, a model. Mm -hmm. As she does. Uh, And she puts a wooden block between his feet. Which are still in the immobilizers. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think that she's sort of downgraded the immobilizers to, like, more of just, like, a regular sort of dressing. And, like, but they're still, like, he can't really move them himself. Well, and now they're straight. He's strapped down. Right. Like, that's he's true, actually she has, strapped down. That's true. Right. Because <laughs> when she finds the knife, she's like, nope. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. Right. You are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention the scrapbook. She leaves her scrapbook out to fi- for him to find. Oh, We yes. should mention what's in the scrapbook. Mm-hmm. The scrapbook reveals that this woman is not just an obsessed fan of this particular author, but she is, in fact, a full-blown serial killer. Mm-hmm. She has killed her father, mm-hmm. at least. She was an angel of death mm-hmm. at her workplace, including the murder of a number of infants. Yes. Which is finally what almost got her caught. Mm-hmm. And that was the trial she was talking about that was in Denver, mm-hmm. but they didn't have enough evidence to convict her. Right. Which I feel like wouldn't actually happen. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't need a ton of evidence no. to convince a jury. No. Because they would be so mad that babies got killed that they would convict anybody, whether they did it or not. <laughs> and she's clearly crazy. She's so crazy. Like, even when she interacts with the police officer, with the sheriff later, like, she is nuts. Oh, yeah. Even before she gets violent, violent it's like, you are off your goddamn rocker. Yeah. Like, you are delusional. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, and when he goes out, Penguin. Oh, that's another thing. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. Which we did. I know we vaguely mentioned in the beginning. Right. But she. He tries to be very careful. Right? But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he does steal things. And he, like, he steals the knife. Like, she's going to notice that the knife is missing. Right. right? Like, there's only so much, there's only so careful he can be. But one of the things that bugs us is that he almost drops a little ceramic penguin that she has in a collection of other little ceramic animals. Mm-hmm. And he manages to catch it so it doesn't break. Which is great. Great reflexes, man. But he really should have let it fall and break. Because the pig might have done that. Yeah. Like, she has a pig in her house. Mm-hmm. But he puts it back, backwards, yeah. and all of the other little animals are facing the same way, and then he puts it back the other way. Mm-hmm. Pig can't do that. No, nope. he really should have just let it fall. Yeah, but yeah, so that's one way that she knows mm-hmm. that he's not staying 
where she put him. Yep. And that he is able to get out and, and roam the house while she's gone. Right. And again, for a long time, she doesn't really care because he can't go any further than that. Right. And she has actually disconnected her telephone. Yeah. Yeah. The inside's just like gone. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, but she's driving into town and she lets loose, you know, she almost gets in a car accident. She lets loose this like, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't. I wasn't done talking about the, the hobbling scene. So now we know that Annie is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And she is perfectly capable of extreme violence. Like, even beyond the violence that she's already done to him. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, at this point, has largely been, like, threats. And, like, tussling. Right? Right. As, like, he tries to get out and she, like wrestles them down Uh right um but no no she takes a wooden block and she puts it between his feet and then she takes a sledgehammer Uh and he's like very calm he's like annie please don't do this please (laughs) and she's like and then she hits his foot with a sledgehammer and because the block of wood is there uh his ankle just snaps right Snaps right in half. Yep. It is one of those scenes that you just feel in the pit of your stomach. You do. You do. You feel it in your bones. And you know what? A great thing they did. Like, not only... The effect is good visually. They don't show it, like, direct. Mm -hmm. You just kind of, like, see the foot, like... It's kind of, like, from the side. So, like, you just kind of see the foot swinging. Yeah. Right? But what they really nailed, I think, not that I know what this would sound like, but the sound. Yeah. Like, you could have your eyes closed and that scene would be horrifying. Yep. Because of that sound. Mm -hmm. And then him screaming. Yeah. Like, you're just like, something real bad just happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, yes. So, now he's, like, right and truly, like, okay, I'm going to have to kill this woman. Yep. Or she's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, she has no intention of ever, ever letting me leave here. Nope. No, you're staying for good, bud. Yep. She is either going to keep me here forever, or she's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. So, part of the way that he is keeping himself alive mm-hmm. is to just keep making the book longer and longer and longer. Right. Like, he's up to, like, 30 chapters by the end of the movie, right? Maybe it is in the book, but he, he compares himself to Scheherazade, mm-hmm. right? Who is like the the main character in A Thousand and One Nights, who keeps herself alive, you know, herself and her child alive long enough to defeat the king, mm-hmm. right? By telling him a story every night, right? So what he's doing is he knows as soon as he's done with this book, she's going to kill him. Right. He knows. So he just keeps writing it. Mm-hmm. And he refuses to tell her how it's going to end. Right. So she keeps him alive, right? Meanwhile, the sheriff, who in this absolutely hilarious little subplot, reads all of Sheldon's <laughs> books. Every last one. All of them. All the misery books, because that's going to provide him some kind of insight into the investigation. Mm-hmm. I guess it could. And it did, actually, didn't it? Wasn't there... Wasn't there a quote? Was there a quote? Was that quote in his book too? The biblical quote? Or is that mm, something that... Maybe. I forget where it came from. 
Yeah, I don't remember. But he learns kind of in a roundabout way, right, that Annie Wilkes is a huge Paul Sheldon fan. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to notice how oddly she's been acting in town lately. Right. And so he's like, mm, maybe I should go have a... Sorry. And he quoted lines from his novels during her trial. Yes. Okay. That's what it is. Right. Which is pretty sophisticated, actually. Like, police work. Mm-hmm. So... So he's reading all these books. He's like, some of these lines sound familiar he goes back to like the transcripts from the trial or the newspaper articles about the trial and he sees that she's quoting his work right Mm -hmm. and so he's like "Mm -hmm. maybe i should go talk to annie wilkes um which is his last decision (laughs) so he shows up the farm Mm -hmm. and she's like oh yeah i am i'm his biggest fan and you know, it's so sad that he's he's gone or that he's missing, but I have this idea, relatively unprompted, right? I have this idea that I'm going to continue his work for him, right? So, but you know what she's doing there? She is setting herself up to be able to publish the book that he's writing. Yeah. After she kills him. Mm-hmm. Well, and... Because he's going on a tour of her house. Mm-hmm. So when he sees the room that has the typewriter in it, mm-hmm. she already has given him a reason why it's there. Right. Yeah. And also the shrine to Paul makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, I'm, I'm so inspired by him that I want to write his work. Right. Which is deeply weird. Yeah. Right. Very much so. Um, but unfortunately for everyone involved, <laughs> uh, just as she's almost got convinced him that she's not suspicious and he's walking away, Paul, who she has removed from his bedroom mm-hmm. and hidden in the basement. And injected with... Something. Some drug. Some kind of sedative. To knock him out. Manages to knock over that self-same charcoal grill mm-hmm. on which he had to burn his manuscript, which sends the sheriff barreling back into the house. Mm-hmm. He opens the basement door. He sees Paul down there. He's like Mr. Sheldon. And then a shotgun blast goes right through his chest. Yep. And Buster is no more. Yeah. Busted right through. <laughs> yeah. She busted right through. So now she's committed yet another murder. And uh, she decides at that point that she should just like... Because people are going to come looking for the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And he had told people where he was going. So people are going to come and look for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but. So she has her. She has more sedative. Right. In a syringe. And then she has her little pistol that she mm-hmm. had shown him. Revolver that she had shown him earlier. And she's like, well, I have two bullets. There's one for you and one for me. Right. She's planning on a murder-suicide at this point. Because, like, her entire plan has gone to shit. And he's like, no, no, no. Just let me finish the book. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is finish the book. 
He's like, I know that we are, I know now that we're meant to be together and I know that we need to die. Mm-hmm. Like he's essentially making a suicide pact with her, right? He's like, but just let me finish the book. And so she's like, okay, fine. And she like brings his wheelchair to him and he's like, I'll go get your dinner. Like as if none of that ever happened. <laughs> as if like everything's fine. Everything's normal. Um, so he does finish the book. He does finish the book. Before he leaves the basement, remember that charcoal girl that he knocked over had lighter fluid on it. Sure did. So he takes the lighter fluid. And as he's finishing his book, he knows that because she's his number one fan, that she knows his ritual. Mm-hmm. So he asks her to get him the things that he needs for his ritual. Which, if you'll remember, is a bottle of Don Perignon. Again, don't know how this woman acquired that. Maybe it was cheaper in the 80s. And... It's like a thousand dollar bottle. Yeah. <laughs> but... And uh, a single cigarette mm-hmm. and a lighter. Because he has his one cigarette when he's done with the novel. Yep. And his glass of champagne. And he's like, oh, wait, wait. This time we need two glasses. You only brought me one glass. We need two glasses because we wrote the, we did this together. So mm-hmm. I need you to celebrate with me. And she, of course, like, still gets all, like, flustered and, like, fluttery. And is like, oh, okay. And she runs off to go get another glass and he throws the manuscript on the floor and he soaks it in the lighter fluid mm-hmm. and she walks back in and he says something about like some kind of like mystery that he mystery about the character's life that he never i think like who her father was or something like yeah some thing about the character that his fans always wondered about that he never revealed in any of his books but he's supposedly revealed in this one. But he's supposedly revealed in this one, right? Like, and God knows if, like, the last few chapters of that book is, are even anything. Like, did she keep reading him? Because she, like, was deteriorating rapidly. So, like, right. did she keep reading it? Or, like, did she just, like, fall off at one point? But anyway, she's like... <gasps> so he's got, he's got, like, the last page in his hand. And he sets it on fire mm-hmm. with the lighter. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like only what you taught me to do or something like that and then he throws it on the rest of the manuscript and it starts to burn this distracts her long enough for him to use his new rocky arms to pick up that typewriter and smash her in the head with it yep uh which does like nothing like it knocks her over yeah but does not knock her out yeah which i feel is a movie thing like i don't think that like those things are fucking heavy yes i feel like that would have killed her but that wouldn't have been a very exciting end to the movie for the end of the movie to be exciting, there needs to be a fight between Kathy Bates and a man in a wheelchair. So, <laughs> so they start to wrestle, you know. He manages to get the drop on her. He knocks her out. He crawls out of the room. He gets down the stairs, but then she's there again and she attacks him again and she's all bloody. And he finally manages with like a fucking doorstop or something. Yeah, he... Some it, sort of weird pig. little... It's a pig... Oh, is it a pig? It's a pig statue. I didn't notice that. It's like a pig. It's like a, it's like probably like an iron. It's, it's made out of some sort of metal. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah. I get, no, I can like, you're it right. Like, That's yeah. exactly it what it is. It was a pig, like a pig. On, a, on a brick. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pig on a brick. Pig on a brick. <laughs> Very symbolic. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He kills her with a pig. Uh, I don't know what happened to that pig. Yeah, they never address that pig again. There is like, you see the pig... I think, like, one other time. On one side. other time where it's, like, laying on the couch with her and she's, like, petting it like mm. it's a dog. Mm. 
Yep. Which a lot of people who own pigs do. Oh, absolutely. Like, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who have pigs who like have the pig in the house, and mm-hmm. it's just like a very large dog. But he finally gets you know the upper hand, kills her with yes the iron pig mm-hmm. doorstop, and then kind of like collapses to the ground. Mm-hmm. At which point you were left to assume that he either, either people come looking for the sheriff, mm-hmm. which I think is what happens in the book. Yep. Or that he manages to get the phone working and he calls for help, but he is rescued at that point. Mm-hmm. Because what we see next is it's 18 months later. He's back on his feet, although he does need a cane to walk. And I would think if with how many things happen to his legs, probably will for the rest of his life. Yep. Uh, and he's meeting with Lauren Bacall in New York for lunch, where they discuss the runaway success of his new novel, which is not the Misery novel, mm-hmm. but is in fact a novelization of his ordeal, which might still be called Misery Returns, actually. I think he still called it Misery, Misery Returns. I think you're right. But it's not. Instead of the story that he and Annie made up. It's, yeah. It's like a novelization. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure I'm like... Well, because I know that like... Well, I might be mixing up the book and the movie. Let me make sure. I know like she's talking... She ends up talking about him writing in the, uh, a novel about... She wants him to write a novel about what he experienced. And he's like, eh. <laughs> you want me to relive it? <laughs> right. So like the the... So I guess he says he do, they don't really say that the novel was about what happened to him, but like for him, it was about what happened to him. Yes. Right. Like it was a way to process what happened. Mm-hmm. At which point she's like, well, why don't you just write a book describing what happened? And mm-hmm. he's like, if I didn't know any better, <laughs> I would say that you want me to dredge up the most horrible thing that ever happened to me. And she's like, I thought you were over it. And like, it's... If that is not 1990 in a yeah, nutshell. Right. It's been 18 months since you were held captive four months Hello. and tortured and almost killed. Yeah, he's passed it. You've got to get over it, babe. <laughs> Come on. Hello. You're All better right. than this. You're better than this. What's wrong with you? Um, at which point, she's like, I thought you were over it. And he's like, yeah, I don't think you ever really got over that. And he looks up and Kathy Bates is walking toward him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I know she's dead. But, and then of course it's revealed that he's hallucinating. Yeah. And it's just a different waitress. But that different, or it's not, it's not a different waitress. She wasn't a waitress. It's just a waitress. Mm-hmm. But the waitress says, excuse me, are you Mr. Paul Sheldon? Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, I am. And she goes, I am sorry to bother you, but I just want to tell you that I'm your number one fan. And he goes, oh, that's very sweet of you. And then fade to black. <laughs> it's the end of the movie. <laughs> that's it. So I want to say, uh-huh. like rewatching this, uh-huh. I love this movie. I want to preface, because I do and really truly enjoy, like this story is excellent. It's a great movie. I have a problem with the way she died. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why. You kind of already you already kind of mentioned it. She gets hit head in the head with a heavy ass typewriter, mm-hmm. and barely flinches. And then he taps her in the face with this pig statue, and she's gone. Mm. I'm like, wait, huh? (laughs) 
maybe like her brain was starting to swell from the typewriter and then the pig statue just like finished her off. No, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I'm okay. just like mm. I think mm. the typewriter would have killed her. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that if somebody with force mm-hmm. drove one of those old typewriters into your face, yeah. you would be a goner. Well, because then she Especially also... since like he drops it onto her. So yes. she like would have also like hit the ground. Yep. You know. Well and even on the other thing that happened too is that she ended up like getting pushed over or something. I forget what, but oh, yeah. she, she ends like, up hitting her head yeah. on the corner of the typewriter and it hits her in the temple. I'm like so maybe that's just it's maybe it's just like you know just little cracks and then that last crack is finally like breaks her brain right I mean I guess I could see it I'm just like no I mean that is that is a sort of like you know almost like slasher movie moment where like right this is this is not how this would go like she would be dead much sooner I I think I would have been more satisfied if he had just hit her differently with the statue like him just hitting her square in the forehead. Right. I'm just like, hmm. like hit her with the corner on the side of the head. That would make more sense. I'm nitpicking someone trying to kill someone. I, here we, we are. watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah. This is not at all from any experience. No. Let's be clear. No, it is not. Either trying to kill someone or being, try, someone trying to kill us. Nope. Never happened. Mm-mm. But, or even like, I mean, I agree. Like, there could have been the sort of like, oh, he's lost control moment. Yes. Right. Where like, he manages to like, pin her down and he's got the pig thing and he just starts like wailing on her right and at like hit four or five she's gone Mm -hmm. right but yeah just the like clink and then she's like after all that that's all it took yes that's all it took you know why was a pig to the forehead (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i guess the typewriter would be symbolic too but it's because that was symbolic yeah misery killed her right and i'm like i get like i see it i understand it I'm like, that all makes sense that, like, these things are the are what needed to really kill her. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, just if he hit her a little different, it'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, I feel you. But I'm, like, nitpicking here. Like, mm-hmm. I am being excessively nitpicky, as I do. It's all right. So, like, realistically, all in all, the movie is fantastic. It's a great film. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. So that is it for our discussion of misery. Join us next time when we are discussing when we <laughs> join us next time for a mini soda review of the new Mia the Goth vehicle from Neon Films Infinity Pool, which I have heard. <laughs> Isn't it from Neon Films? It is. Did you just call her Mia the Goth? Mia the Goth. Did I say Mia the Goth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think she's goth in this. You don't know this. I mean, maybe she is. It could be a goth in a bikini. That's true. That's very true. You know who I mean. <laughs> be a goth. That is, is that a real name? Yeah. Have we discussed this already? I don't know if we've discussed that already, actually. Hmm. It's just I mean, such a perfect name for somebody who does it is. horror movies, which is like, very much the niche that she's starting to carve for herself. Oh, absolutely. When is Maxine coming out? This year? Um, it's supposed to be this year or next year? You know, I... Or is it just like announced? I think it's said? I think it's just announced. So it may come out later this year, but I wouldn't... I'm hoping... I'm hoping... Hoping beyond hope that it comes out later this year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the goal. But I think they didn't start filming that long ago, so I wouldn't be surprised if it 
if it might be the early next year. I don't know. He edits his movies pretty quick. So <laughs> I mean, he managed to release Pearl like what three months after. Yeah. <laughs> after. Uh, yeah, they literally X, so. gave you a trailer as the end scene, and right. then we're like, and this is coming in three months. Yeah, September. Oh, I think it's it was. Real. I think it was either Ju- it was it was either July or August that X came out. Mm, I think it was March actually. Was it that? I think so because we saw. So I guess it was more like six months, but still, but it was the same year because we did. I think that is the month that we did like. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake you know or like what? reboot yeah. on Netflix. You might be right. And The Town That Dreaded Sundown and X. And I think those were all in like March or May. Yeah. Like it was early summer. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was still damn quick. It was damn quick. So the same year, both movies. Okay. The idea that he could get another one out the following year is not, mm-hmm. you know, hard to imagine. Right. So. Maybe it was that, I think, maybe X released on, like, Blu-ray in August. Probably. And then. And then, yeah. They're like, okay, and now it's September. Right. Which is why I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so busy. But, uh, for now, until we get to Maxine, we can watch Infinity Pool, which she's also in, which yes. we will review next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long story short. When have we ever done that? Nah, that's, it is a it is a long story long kind of situation. It's a short story long. Sometimes, sometimes it is short story long. So until then, on that note, like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can follow us on Spotify. We do have our Instagram F and Frights Podcast and our Twitter F and Frights Pod. You can. Follow us on Facebook or on YouTube by searching for us via Friday Night Frights podcast. We do, of course, have our email, which you're welcome to scream at us by emailing scream at fnfrightspodcast.com. And then we have our website, which is fnfrightspodcast.com. And last but not least, we have our Patreon, our Fright Club. And Katie? Yes, Sean. What is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is if you would like to write a novel, do not go to Colorado in the winter to do so. Per Stephen King, Mm -hmm. it is going to end poorly for you. Yeah. Whether by, whether you are like a successful writer or a struggling writer, whether what comes to get you is a completely human, normal person who's just has a little bit of a screw loose or if it's you know your own demons in the form of a possessed hotel just don't go to colorado in the winter to write a book you want to write a book in the winter go to california florida even florida anywhere you know what texas (laughs) i was just thinking texas (laughs) what a great location arizona go to vegas Vegas. Vegas is perfect because you know what? There's very little that's going to trap you in Vegas. Yeah. Except for like your own sin. But. Being Sin City. I mean. (laughs) I think he actually has a a horror story about Vegas. But. (laughs) I. I do believe you're right. I think think he does. But. Go somewhere where there's not going to be any kind of natural disaster that's going to trap you. Right. Right. Um, because either you're going to go insane or you're going to be stuck with somebody else who's insane. It just isn't going to go well for you. So just make sure that you have clear exit plans 
whenever you are going to like immerse yourself in your writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Remember when we told you? <laughs> Remember when we told you not to go and rent a country estate immediate immediately after losing a loved one? Very similar vibe here. Yeah. Just don't do it. Stay around people who aren't crazy, who you know, trust. I mean, like, even if you want to get away and just be on your own, because I completely understand wanting to do that too. Like, Mm. go somewhere warm. Less treacherous. Even stay away from the coast if you got it. Just don't go to Colorado (laughs) in the winter. If it's summer, go ahead. Yes, enjoy it. It's beautiful. Stunning. But stay out of the mountains because it might snow even in the summer. Yes, it sure does. Just stay in, just stay, stay, stay. Or just stay home. And I can tell you from experience (laughs) that absolutely you can be in Colorado and have, you can be experiencing the only snowstorm in the entire country. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. And and deal with 18 inches of snow overnight. What month was that? April? April, yeah. May? In May! The end, the end of May. So why would you go in like fucking January? Right? Just don't do it. It's bad news bears. Yep. So, guys and ghouls, join us next Friday night. You'll be in for a But until then, sleep tight. <laughs>